You're listening to the Modern People Leader Podcast. Today's episode will be a part of our People Leader Series, where we go behind the scenes with today's top HR leaders and talk to them about how they've gotten to where they're at and what they really do every day. Our guest today is Angela Shaw, Chief People Officer at Juiceland. All right. Well, welcome to another Modern People Leader Podcast. We've got a great guest today, a personal friend of mine. So I'm really excited about today's show. Um, Angela, Angela Shaw, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. How are you? It's good. It's a Monday. We were just talking about this. We find that Mondays can be challenging, but today was uh, today was productive. I think we all shared that in common today, which is awesome. Yeah, it's definitely been a great Monday. But one of my favorite saying is it's a great day to get better. And that's every day. I like that. Love I it. like that saying. I need that as a, I need that as a mug or something <laughs> to give me daily inspiration. Well, I want to try something new today. We've, we played with the format a little bit, but we've stayed pretty consistent. And so today I wanted to start with a good news story. The good news story can be personal, it could be work-related. And so what's your good news story for today, Angela? I have a new niece. She was born July the 1st. Her name is Leanne, and uh, she is the light of our entire family's life. I mean, I can foresee her being in kindergarten like, oh my God, there's my family, because we are just so excited about her being here. And Although there are lots of babies born every day, your baby's like the best baby ever. She certainly is living up to that. <laughs> wow, that is a good news. Uh, that's great news. Congratulations. Daniel, what, what's your good news story? Ooh, what is my good news story? I'm going to keep it simple. As you were saying, Stephen, Mondays typically aren't the easiest days to get work done. And I felt like today was a productive Monday. Yeah. And I will, I'll, I'll stick with work and then I'll go combo work and personal. So my work good news is today uh, we closed two new deals and uh, it's just Monday. We were having a record quarter and I actually had a team member like ask me like, Hey, do you think you can slow this down a bit? And I was like, I don't think I don't think we're going to do that, but (laughs) but tell me more. Tell me more. What are your concerns? Um, And my my personal good news is I had a great weekend, but the highlight of my weekend was um, I co-parent. So I have two daughters. They're 11 and nine. And we, as a family, made homemade spaghetti. So we made homemade pasta and homemade spaghetti sauce. And it was so delicious. I, I made homemade pasta once with my partner and she wanted to make fettuccine. And so this time we did spaghetti and it just was the most amazing thing. And it was just cool to like cook with, with my two daughters. So that's and there's, no, there's nothing like homemade spaghetti sauce. So I'm sure it was amazing. It was good. Yeah. I, I was responsible. So my, my partner, Sarah, she and the girls, they did the the pasta while I did the sauce. So I, uh, I think it, I think it passed the, uh, the test. So, well, this isn't about us today. We're, we're here to talk to, to you, Angela, and to learn more uh, about you. Um, you have a new role, the company 
that you're working for. And we want to hear about all of that. But first, we like to start with your journey, your story. Tell us about, about Angela. How is the, uh, your, your professional, personal journey? How have you gotten to where you are today? Well, I've told this story many times, but so I want to try to make it a little different today, just in how I tell it, not the facts. The facts remain the same, but I wanted to be in HR and I told my boss that I had at the time that I wanted to be in HR and always ready. And when the opportunity came, she actually gave me some HR duties and it just solidified what I already thought, which was I need to be in HR. And so I started to look for a job in the <laughs> HR department. <laughs> like every day, that's, I mean, I was work getting my work done, but like, I'm going to find a job in the HR department. And I did. And that was in 1999. And I think what's notable about this story is back then, because oh, I'm old, y'all, middle age, but back then it was really hard to just not have a college degree, not have the right experience and go get a job like in any field that you wanted to be in or that required some extra training. So I think just that in itself, my ability to be like, I can do this and uh, go look and find it. And that was in 1999 and I've not looked back since and I've always been in HR since then. After so, you a few did, so you did it the hard way. Well, I mean, I guess the way... I mean, your path is your path, right? Sort of what it is. I mean, so there are things about my life until that point that I didn't go to college out of high school or just whatever the path was, right? And I think I've, I've always been kind of okay with following my path, like whatever it ended up being. So, I mean, I, I don't like to describe it in terms of like it was hard or whatever. There were definitely challenges, but I think my ability to just accept things as they are is what has gotten me this far. Love it, love it. And so how did your journey ultimately get you to, to your most current role? After a few years, I, want, I said, I'm gonna have a career in HR and I'm gonna go to the highest position in HR that there is. And just everything I've done since then has been on that path to how can I get to this highest level chief in my career and just working my way up, really. Networking was a huge part of it, but not networking for, can you give me my next job? It was networking to connect with people, find ways in which I could help them because it always pays dividends later when you least expect it. So I think being very patient about the networking piece. And then the second part that I think is the most important part that nobody ever wants to do is the hard work part. Mm -hmm. I, I say I'm the hardest working person in HR. Like you will not find anybody who works harder than me. And all the different things related to HR that I do, aside from working in HR every day, I do a lot of other things just to be a hardworking person and build bodies of work. And it's just continued to pay dividends on into currently being the chief people officer at Juiceland. Awesome. Awesome. And for those of you that are not familiar with Austin, Juiceland is just one of those iconic Austin brands up there with Whole Foods and book people and like, you know, just a real keep Austin weird type of company. And, uh, and so how long have you been with Juiceland and, and tell us about the, the, the business? 
Yeah, it's brand new. So just a little bit over a month. So still just very exciting, um, the honeymoon phase, which, you know, I like that to last. So I feel like it'll continue to be that. But we're considered a service industry food and beverage company. We make smoothies and juice. We actually also have some food items that are vegan. But really, I think our goal is to put happiness and good into the world through things that taste good and are good for you. Yeah, I'm a uh, big fan of the Wonder Chosen. I don't know if y'all have had that smoothie, but uh, my Saturday routine back when I used to live by Juiceland was I'd wake up, I'd take my dog on a walk, I'd maybe go for a run, and then after my run, I would walk to the Juiceland, go get a Wonder Chosen, and then walk back home. So yeah, Juiceland's definitely one of those brands that I think that a lot of people in Austin know about. So yeah, the, the new role sounds amazing. What's the plan for, for the first you know, 30, 60, 90 days? Well, the first 30 days was really just trying to learn as much as I could about the company and figure out the ways in which I could best help them. So I came up with like just the three things that I feel like I really can help the organization with. I mean, aside from being an expert in HR and having so much experience in HR, you know, how do I take all that and bring it to Juice Land and have it be really helpful? Um, and so the first thing is just related to HR and how we show up for our people every day, making sure that we are visible and we are present and that employees know how we help them every single day. So that's the first thing. The second thing is diversity, equity, and inclusion, having initiatives that we roll out that are movement towards this other side of healing that I feel like the whole world is going through right now, but specifically Juice Land, we had some challenges. So getting to the other side of that, real healing, belonging, bringing our employees together, a shared belief, shared knowledge, shared action. So that's the second thing surrounding diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the third thing is just making sure that we will have a successful future as related to our people. Most often companies describe it as being a best place to work, but I think even past that, right? Not just in our industry, not when we compare it to our competition, but just period. How are we just a great company that treats our employees well, that starts with total compensation, that looks at benefits, how we take care of them and reward them and want to retain them for being a part of our organization. And that's the third thing. And those sound like really big things, but obviously you break them down into smaller goals to continue working towards, you know, that bigger goal. Well, and are you the first, the first few people officer that Juice Lane's had? Have they? So they've had HR, yes, but I am the first chief people officer. Well, there you go. Like that, then it, then it doesn't, those things aren't too big. Those are pretty foundational things when you're looking to expand your focus on your people function. And so it sounds like really exciting times for you in the company. The, or the organization has had a lot of growth over the 10 years that it's been into existence, fast growth, and just a lot of it. And I think it's time now for us to slow down a little bit and focus on some foundational pieces and just like take care of our people. And not that we haven't, but just this foundational part of slowing down and how do we put good things in place for the next 10 years and the 10 years after that and just the future. So talk to me about 
what building a foundation for for the DNI component of it looks like. And I think the way that the words you used, you said shared knowledge, shared action. And what was the last piece? I really belief. like that. shared belief. belief. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Just talk to me where you even start. Yeah. So oh, that's a good question. And obviously I have a lot of thoughts on it and lots of other people have thoughts on it. But for me, it always starts with education. So I think that it is hard to hold somebody accountable when there's not even a shared like understanding of anything which is where the education piece comes in. So trying to hit it from all a bunch of different angles. How do we educate our employees to build this shared belief, this shared knowledge, this shared action? That's where it starts for me. And so I have already started to put into place multiple initiatives where we can start to educate our staff to get to these shared items. I think once you get to that point, And there's not necessarily, so it's always learning, right? So that doesn't ever stop how we continue to educate ourselves, will not stop. But we will get to a point of now we start to hold people accountable and how we uninvite people to our party. And I think leadership, C-suite, being prepared for that and knowing that a time for that will most likely come because not everybody will get on board. They never do. I don't know any organization where that has happened and not just related to DEI, there are other things, but I think we should hold our DEI action and behavior to the same standards that the organization will hold any other type of behavior that we deem appropriate in our organization. And so us being able to get to the point of, we're gonna uninvite people. I love it. I love it. And you know, one thing that you mentioned the other day when we we caught up, you said it's not about what we talk about regarding DEI, it's how we talk about it. And you yeah. said that that what companies need to do is put structure around these conversations and think about like how can we create a framework for these conversations? Is this something that is part of the initiatives that you're rolling out? So it absolutely will be a part of it. We're not going to ban conversations. We're not going to say that there are subjects that people can't talk about. We're going to provide them with the framework to do that. And again, I think a lot of times when people talk about DEI, they always think that there are these different sets of rules. I mean, it's not. It's like any other subject (laughs) that you have a conversation about. You're respectful. You care about the human on the other end of the conversation. Within an organization, you have shared, you already have a shared vision and mission. Like, how do you use those to help you set this framework for how you have conversations with each other every day, whether it's peer to peer or supervisor to employee? Those kinds of unspoken rules that we're going to speak out loud to say you're respectful, you listen, you show care and concern, and just put that framework into place. Yeah, I like that. So it's really just taking your your values and saying like, hey, these are our values and we're going to put some ground rules around this conversation. But really, you can say whatever you want as long as you're adhering to these values. So I really like that. So one thing that I, I always see a debate on on LinkedIn is over who should own DEI, right? You have some people that say, it should be HR. You have others that say it shouldn't be owned by HR, that this should be something that's owned by the leadership team. Where does that responsibility sit? I'm sorry. It's not because I don't like have an opinion on it. It's just, 
I think when you do a kind of work and the same kind of arguments come up over and over, like that frustrates me because I'm like, we're wasting time fighting about who should do it. And it's just not getting done, right? Because we're just wasting time fighting about yeah, no, who should agree. do it. And like, oh, that, that's so frustrating. Um, so I think it's not about who, like where it lies, like to what function in the organization. I think the question is who can best do it in our organization. And if you have an HR person who has a knowledge of DEI and a passion for it and can bring it to life, that's absolutely who should do it. If you do not have that, do you need to bring somebody in from the outside who has, again, a knowledge and a passion for DEI, has framework, knows how to bring it to life, that's who should do it. So it's less about where it lies and it's more about having the right person doing it. A person who has a big picture view, who's gonna consider all the factors, not just the ones that they identify with. Uh, a person who is not afraid, right? Um, a person who is emotionally intelligent, can have these conversations, who can have the behavior that you want everybody else to have when it comes to how we discuss and carry out DEI. I think that's what the real question is, is who is this person in our organization that can do it? I'm, I'm curious, Angela, why do you think there is still such a high tendency to bring external people, like consultants, diversity consultants to, to launch the effort? That's a good I, question. I, it, it's just a trend that I keep hearing. And we do some diversity surveying at Workify and often we're asked, well, do you do the consultant consulting as well? Like, can you do training? And we're like, no, 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 we're a data company. We want to get you better data around the, the, the topic or the, the factor of, of diversity and inclusion so you can make better decisions and drive initiatives. We aren't going to take that on. And so it, it's just something I keep hearing. It's like, hmm, I wonder what is driving this desire to bring external people when, when really, in my mind, the nuance, uh, the nuances of diversity and inclusion. There's, you know, I think a general, general views and takes and value propositions, but there are a lot of things that are specific to the company that that an external person isn't really going to know. And so, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on what might be driving that? Yeah, I think most often it's because the expertise is not within the organization. So I think someone who is not afraid to do DEI, right, in the organization that they work in, there is a fear that people have about doing the hard stuff. How, how you know, I don't want to have to force a white male to have this conversation. <laughs> That's going to make mm -hmm. me uncomfortable. You know, yeah. I don't want to tell this person that I've known for five years or work with that they're doing something that has a negative impact on a group of people, you know. I think that that's why people go externally because the it's hard to do this work um, and not wanting to make other people feel uncomfortable in doing the work because that inevitably is what happens. Somebody is, several people will be uncomfortable. And then I would just say the expertise part, like I, I haven't really learned this. I haven't educated myself. I don't know what the different ways in which you do it. I don't know what the metrics are I should be looking at. I don't know how to tell a manager how to have this hard conversation, that expertise part. Yeah, and, and what, what advice do you have for those that are still sitting in the fear? Yeah, just do it. <laughs> it'll be okay just get, just get past it and just do it um 
the ability to say I'm sorry, the ability to say I don't know, but I will find out, the ability to say I believe you. I mean, these are the phrases that we all already know. These are not special. These are not new. Just the ability to be able to do that. I had a conversation the other day about pronouns because I have some knowledge of pronouns. To the best of my ability, I ask people and use them correctly, but everybody makes a mistake, right? So my ability to be like, I'm sorry, I didn't use the correct pronoun. I will do better the next time and doing better the next time. For me, it was, I still had some, I'm not really sure. I need to go seek out some some extra knowledge about this. Just do it. I mean, so I'm a person who has done DEI in organizations multiple times. I'm a person who has talked about it for years, even when I was not doing DEI. And I just started because I just did. I just said, you know what? This is crazy and it's never going to change unless people like myself come and say that we want change and we take action for that change. So you might have the same response to this question, but which is just do it. But let's say you you do work for a company that doesn't have an internal DEI person and this is something that you're really passionate about, but maybe you don't feel like you have that expertise yet. What advice would you have for that person that's looking to upskill themselves and and learn more about how to be a DEI practitioner? Yeah, so just to educate themselves in whatever ways that they can find. There is actually a lot of free information about DEI, different topics. Even now, there's lots of training, webinars, books, all, all types of just information out there to educate yourself. There are also certificate programs. There are classes through universities. I mean, there's just a plethora of ways in which a person can educate themselves about it. But on top of that, academic education, because I do think you need some of that academic education about just DEI as a whole, right? Some history, metrics, those kinds of things that are important. The science behind like why people have bias and things like that, I think is also important. But the other side of that is experiences. So if you're not a person who has your own experiences, listen to other people. Listen to people tell you about what's happened to them, not just at work, but like in their life. When I think about DEI, it actually goes back to my childhood. It's not always about what happened at work while plenty of bad things happened at work. It goes back to my childhood and being a Black woman and discussions that I had to have as a small child with my parents to even go out the house and mingle with white people, right? <laughs> Started back then. Yeah. I think it's important for people to hear the those kinds of stories to not only reignite your passion over and over, you know, and inspire you to keep doing the work, but also so you have some deeper understanding of why the work is needed. Yeah, I love it. Just while we're sharing personal stories, it, it the topic for me also takes me back to, to childhood as well. And it's funny, I haven't thought about these things in a really long time, but I'll never forget, you know, hearing my dad talk. So we, you know, my parents are from South Texas, small town, 7,000 people total that live in this town. And uh, they moved to Dallas, Texas, big city. Back then, 
there were not a lot of Latinos and my parents moved from the first neighborhood they lived in, which was pretty rough to, uh, to a suburb of, of Dallas. Well, it's part of Dallas proper, but it's like near the suburbs called Lake Highlands. And at the time there weren't a lot of, of Mexican Americans there. And I'll never forget my dad explaining what was happening when someone like stopped as my father was mowing the lawn and they're like, how, sir, like how much do you charge to mow lawns? And my dad was like, no, you don't understand. Like I, you know, I live here. This is my home. And the man asked him again, like in disbelief, like, sir, no, really, how much do you charge to mow the lawn? And I remember hearing that story and like not relating, not totally understanding what was happening, but also knowing that, you know, that meant I was different because I was around my other friends and their dads weren't telling stories like that. And, uh, and so I, I feel like there are stories that you have to share. And I, I, I also think that part of the diversity journey for the company is just the awareness of how many dimensions of diversity there, there actually are. And if we really spend time to get to know each other, that you will find that we're all diverse in our own different ways. And we all have a story that resonates with us. It may not go back to childhood, but at some point, you know, yeah. we're impacted by this. And so, we talk but- about, we talk about diversity and the differences part quite a bit, which is understandable that you would. I, I always like to circle back to the ways in which we're similar within organizations, which again, goes back to our vision and our mission. And I always circle it back to that. Like when I have conversations in organizations, either as a outside speaker coming in or in my own organization, I always circle back to that. So even though we want to celebrate and accept differences, there's always a similarity. And let's also figure out what that is. And that's what frames how we talk to each other, how we treat each other, how we come to this shared belief, knowledge, and action also. Yeah, I love it. I love the work you're doing. I'm super passionate about, you know, this work in particular also, but you're doing other great work at the company. You're just getting started and you got, you got a full plate. And so tell me a little bit about some of the, the, the other priorities that you have for the rest of the year. So you mentioned compensation, benefits, rewards, you know, are there particular things going on at Juiceland or just in your industry? We've had other guests that have, that have mentioned that for a, you know, similar workforce, like hourly, hourly workers, that things are very difficult right now. It's difficult. There's a a war for talent. It's difficult to retain people. Obviously the pandemic, where we are with the pandemic can make that even more challenging, which it feels like right now we're entering, you know, a phase where things could be more challenging. So I'm just curious, like what sort of programs are you guys looking at? Yeah, so in our industry, actually, the benefit offerings are pretty sparse, to tell you the truth. And that is a, it's like industry norm, right? So coming in, this is a new industry for me. So coming into this new industry and talking to other people, and I'm just like, what? I cannot, this, no. (laughs) Okay, well, we're not going to be the norm. We are going to be different. Let's really talk about how we can best use our dollars and what kinds of things that we can bring on 
um, that are the norm in other industries. <laughs> and so really just trying to look at some of those extra things like an ancillary benefits and even some of the like things you don't hear all the time, like pet insurance or paying back student loans, like a match the same way you would do for a 401k, you know, just trying to think about some out of the box kind of things to also add. One thing that I feel like Juiceland has going for it is its unique culture and also being this Austin icon, a place that people know the kind of person who can come work for Juiceland is really any kind of person. But if you come into the, a, a shop or even into our corporate office, I mean, it is the norm to see different colored hair, to see tattoos, to see body piercings. And that is no other organization I've ever worked at, like definition of professional. And so I love that uniqueness, right? Because that really means that anybody can come in and be welcomed and get hired and not have to worry about can, can you cover this up and you can't get a whole arm sleeve because you can't you know just some of that stuff that people grapple with and I think that's a plus when it comes to juice land so us being able to talk about how unique we are in that respect us being able to um, build up our benefit offering us being able to talk about how we don't just say that we're diverse and inclusive, like what we do shows that and getting to a place of that also. So internally, we talk about it a lot and we do things internally. There are things that you don't put out into the world. Everybody doesn't have to know everything that you're doing, but people who come into your world and who work there, they should know and feel it every single day. And that's really what I'm concentrating on. Not what anybody else thinks or says, how do our employees feel coming here every single day? Do they feel like they belong? Do they feel supported? Do they feel loved? Love is something we talk about a lot at Juice Land. And really? so, yes. <laughs> and so wow. for me, when it comes to how the things that I can help put into place, it's maybe introducing them to things that are not the norm in our industry, but saying we should do this anyway. And my ability to be able to make a great case for that, um, which would put us ahead of our competition. So it'd be it like, really not, only, not only do I go to this place where I can have piercings and tattoos and green hair, but I really belong. I really see diversity and I have these great benefits. I'm saving for retirement. I'm paying off my student loan. You know, I have insurance offerings, like that extra stuff too. Yeah, I think that's, that is smart. And it feels like there's a, real opportunity to further differentiate yourselves as an employer of choice, you know, in your industry. And it just uh, reminded me you know, of a meme. I saw there's a, there's an Instagram handle, Texas humor. And one of the memes was about a company Bucky's, which is another iconic yeah. Texas brand. It's a C yeah, store yeah. with a very unique culture. And uh, it was like, me, when I saw the Bucky's benefits in the bathroom, posted in the bathroom, and it's a picture of like a human morphing into a beaver, which is like the hair mascot. And I just thought that that was really, really funny. But when I saw some of the benefits that they were offering, it made me realize two things like, A, wow, there must really be a war for talent for the, the, the employees, the workforce that they're targeting, because these are, they're pretty 
very different to what I think you would have typically you would typically see C store employees getting. Um, but B, like they, it really stands out. So like that's a feels like a smart way of uh, of of competing for talent. And I feel like and, it hopefully sets a new standard. Yes. And people talk about Bucky's quite a bit, actually, even on LinkedIn, I see it quite a bit and they do have a great, <laughs> a great offering for their employees, which shows you that they care and they want to retain people. They also grow people at Bucky's. So yeah, people know that and they pay attention. Awesome. Well, we're, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the great things that you guys are going to be doing at Juiceland. I, I want to switch gears a bit in our in our initial conversation that we had with you, you said something that just really stuck with me. You said that you control your own narrative. And I, I obviously, I, I keep an eye on what you're doing on LinkedIn. You're very active. You're part of a network of, of HR professionals and just professionals in general that are, that are very active. And, you know, I, since launching the Modern People Leader with Daniel, I've been asked, like, how do you, you know, why did you do that? How did you do that? And there's no, I've gotten no secret answer for them other than like, I, you know, had a platform that was presented to me by Daniel and I, I saw, I saw the vision. And so I, 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 I came on board for the ride. I, I'm curious to you, you know, what advice would you have to give younger HR professionals or even experienced professionals that they want to have more of a, an active voice and where do you start you know, how do you get over some of the uh, the nerves around like putting yourself out there? Um, do you have anything to share? You know, I still get nervous about making posts on LinkedIn. You don't ever know, right? But I, I stay true to myself. Like I've always been this person and I stay true to that. And every post that I put on LinkedIn is always going to be true to me and my voice. Uh, I'm very transparent and honest, probably to a fault. I have posted things on LinkedIn and had other people reach out to me and say, oh, you got to be careful what you're posting on LinkedIn. I mean, you know, and I've had times in my career where I, by choice, did not have a job because I felt like I needed some healing or a sabbatical or some time off. And people would reach out and be like, be careful about what you're posting. And I would always just say, you know, I'm just, I'm, I will be true to myself. And that's always going to be what it is. I don't think that's brave. I think it's just choosing yourself because I know who I am. So like knowing who you are, like people really need to take some time, quiet time to sit down and think about who they are. Like, who am I and what do I represent? That's what helps me stay true to myself, like all the time. Um, the other thing is I've always been very intentional about relationship building and how I treated people on my way up. Right. So everybody matters. Every interaction I have with every person matters. Not every person is going to like you, but literally for every one hater, there's 10 other people who love me. And those are the people I concentrate on. So I think, again, that relationship building part and being intentional about that, it was never about an ask, can you do something for me? It was always about what can I do for you? Uh, I think that is just important, this relationship part. I think people don't understand the long-term effects that you get from that. So even if you're looking for a job today, right, and you go try to connect with people on LinkedIn or social media or whatever, and that's great, and you should, right, but it might not pay off today, but you never know what will happen in three years. Uh, so just always thinking about that and how you treat people on your way up is just really important. Um, the other thing is 
I try to give a lot in different ways. So I'm a volunteer. I was very active in the HR volunteer community, like on up to the that, national level. That's how we <laughs> met. That's how we originally met was through ARMA, the, the Austin HR Management Association. And there were two things about that. One was, yes, I enjoyed it and it was great and it helped me. It, you know, it's helped me a whole lot. Um, but I think the second thing was it builds a separate body of work. So volunteer means unpaid. <laughs> so just did a lot like to help the HR profession. Again, not just in Austin, but statewide and even nationally. Um, and that that speaks to you in a way that going to a job every day and getting a paycheck does not. It's an additional group of people who can also speak to you and who you are and your work ethic and what you do. Um, so not everybody has to go hard like I do in the paint, but I feel like there should be some kind of like volunteering in your, you know, just that you do to let other people know who you are and what you're about. I chose to volunteer in my HR profession because I felt like uh, that would give me a lot of impact. I also wanted to help HR people. We get a bad rap a lot. <laughs> and I wanted people to see good HR, hear about good HR, have examples of good HR and help them be able to set that for themselves too. Love everything that you just said. And uh, just to confirm, I was blown away by your response whenever I reached out to you to come onto the show. I wasn't expecting such a thoughtful response. It was like a four or five paragraph response and you didn't have to do that. And yeah, it made me feel good. I was like, okay, I'm excited to have Angela onto the show. She clearly is a giver. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to call that out. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Daniel. And I think for the both of you, I don't know if you understand the impact that you have on me and giving a platform to a Black woman, like for real. For anybody who gets to see this and see me and what I represent, there's this thing out there, you know, Black talent doesn't exist, but clearly it does. <laughs> and so I get yes. to be on your show and be an example of that. And there are a lot more people like me who are thoughtful, who are intentional, who work hard um, and who want to put good into the world. So thank you for having me on and letting me talk. No, the, this, was, this was the vision to give and create a platform where we could showcase, you know, amazing people like yourself. And so what, what do you think comes next? Like what, if you were to, if you were to uh, narrow it down, cause I know, I know Angela, you have your, your ambitious, you're humble and ambitious and you, you are a doer. And so what sort of things do you are, are still on your list that you haven't accomplished? You got the, the chief, now ticked off. What are some of the other things that, that you have in store? I don't, know if, you, I, I don't know if I necessarily have like other specific goals. I think I'm looking for balance. I want to pick things that have impact. Um, I used to say yes a lot into everything. And now I'm trying to be more intentional about what I actually say yes to because I wanted to have a bigger impact. So whatever happens next for me, I think it's just about that, about me having the opportunity to do something that has a huge impact, that helps others, you know, that leaves a legacy uh, that I'm proud of, that I was a giver, that I supported other people. And that while I am ambitious and I do want things for myself, I'm trying to build generational wealth for my family. 
I don't, I don't do it at the cost of other people or of not being the, being true to myself and the person that I always am. So I love a surprise. Let's see what, <laughs> you know, comes next. That is kind of a payback for all the hard work that I've done. And in the meantime, waiting for whatever's next, I'm going to do a great job at Juiceland. I'm going to, um, I really want to help them transform to this next level for their next 10 years and beyond. I'm going to continue to be a volunteer leader in the community and give back in all the ways that I can. And, uh, you know, that's just going to be who I always am. Love it. Yeah. What a powerful thing. I wish I had learned that the power of saying no earlier in my career, it took me, you know, I have, um, you know, I'm wired to be a people pleaser and, you know, I'm driven. And so I want to accomplish things. And I also want, I want people to like me or I want people to be, I want external like affirmation. And that's a, a recipe to saying yes all the time. And it's very, what I found, it's very hard to get my own needs met when I'm so busy doing, always doing things for other people. And to, you know, I agree. I feel like the, you will, you know, luck favors a prepared mind. So you will, you, there's a, the energy and the work that you put out into the universe um, for those that are able to do that, you, you will receive back. And so I, I don't always think that, um, you know, it's not all about me and my needs, but also that, that balance that you, you talked about um, and the power of saying, no, I, it's just such a beautiful thing when you, when you're able to find that place. But man, for me, it was so hard. Well, I had to write down, you said luck favors a prepared mind. So I had to write that down. I always say, which is very similar to that, that my definition of luck is when opportunity meets preparation. So it's very close to that, but yeah. I love that. Thank you. I wrote it down. (laughs) (laughs) I can't take credit. I think it's a Lewis pastor quote. So uh, we'll thank him, but, uh, but yeah, I, I love it too. All right. So for all of these interviews, we have a standard set of questions that we ask every guest and we do it rapid fire style. So yeah, first question, as a chief people officer, what are the three to four metrics that are most important for you to look at on a daily or weekly basis? Uh, so I'm going to say turnover because that is important. But in addition to turnover, I think the demographics of the turnover is also important. So I would actually include that as a second metric is that you kind of break that down into the demographics piece of it. I would say time to feel or like how much it costs you to feel a position, I think is really important to know because it's always about, for me, it's always about who, who we're bringing in and how quickly and who we're losing and why. So those are really going to be, so any metrics that hit those two things is going to be what I would be looking at. Yeah. Love it. All about attracting and retaining your talent. Yeah. So what's, what's something that you'd love to learn from future guests that we have on? Is there anything that you've been trying to learn more about recently? (laughs) I just, I don't have time to learn anything. No. Um, (laughs) People are always inviting me like, 
come to this, you can come to this conference for free. I'm just like, I can't give anybody a whole day. Two things. One, I'm all, I need to learn more about analytics. So when it comes to like powering HR behind the data and the metrics, I would say analytics. And I belong to this HR analytics group. I never attend the meetings, but that would be one thing. The other thing I'm always continuously learning about is just DEI. I mean, just always wanting to try to read a new book or even quick bite-sized articles and just different perspectives and things like that so that I can keep myself fresh and on the cutting edge and make sure that I am open um, to things even about myself and then also to help me with burnout um, because it is a very exhausting work. <laughs> so um, to do it on top of HR, it's very exhausting. So one of the ways in which I deal with that is to stay inspired uh, by just learning new things. Yeah, we hear that a lot, that uh, it's, a, it's a thankless job and it's exhausting. Um, if we had to have one or two people onto the show, who, who would you recommend or who, would you, who do you think we should have on next? Specific people or like... Yeah. <laughs> it could be people you know, people you admire, uh, people in the profession that have had like a, a big impact on your career. Um, that have had a big impact. Well, maybe not necessarily my career, but maybe like people I admire. Um, her name is Ada Renee. She works for Google. Like I love her. Just bold and beautiful. And I just love how she speaks. So that would be a person. Who else? I don't know. That's a good, that's like a question I would have to think about. Like, I can't just be throwing people off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, another person who I actually really admire, his name is Torin Ellis, and uh, he's a DEI consultant, and he does like uh, recruiting and for diversity, and I'm just a huge fan of his and how he gives the message. He is fiery. That is the word that I would use to describe him. Ooh, sounds like we need to have him on the show. <laughs> I like that, that word fiery. Yeah, me too. It's always great having a fiery guest on. <laughs> so we're, we're trying something new in today's episode. And we want to do a one word to close or one word or one phrase. So something that you want to leave us with. Could be one word, could be a phrase. Yes. So I'm going to say grace. That is a word that I use a lot. Some people have a tradition of like every year they have a new word. Mine has been grace actually for the last couple of years. And I think that you have to grant yourself grace first in order for you to be able to give it to other people. So just this forgiveness for, you don't even have to know what that somebody had a, is having a bad day, that someone just needs your thank you, your hello, your I'm sorry, your how can, how can I help you? And giving it to yourself first, which allows you to give it to everybody else. I like that. I'm going to take that and that's going to be my theme for the rest of the week. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to jump in, even though you didn't ask me, Daniel, I'm going to go with, <laughs> I'm going to go with love because I think that is just so awesome that that's something that you guys are talking about and thinking about it in juice land in the business world. We all need more love. We all need more grace, but we also need more love for ourselves and for other people. So that's what I'm going to go with. So if we're all given one, I'll give one too. Give more than you take. <laughs> <laughs>
I, I feel like it can be so easy to just take, take and take, but yeah. Uh, giving feels one, it feels great. And also you're probably helping somebody out. So um, I feel like that was a pretty consistent theme throughout our conversation. It feels like you've gotten to where you're at today by being a giver. Um, and I think everybody can take something from that. I like that. Awesome. Well, Angela, thank you so much. This has just been such a wonderful conversation with you today. Hopefully you'll be open to, to coming back and joining us. We, we've been having group conversations and inviting guests back to have a group conversation with us. So if you'd be interested in that, we'd love to have you back. But thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again for having me. Talk Thanks. to you later, Angela. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for, for tuning in to another episode of the Modern People Leader. We, we really, really appreciate it. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating. It would mean the world to us. And connect with us on LinkedIn. We want to we wanna know what you think about the show. And uh, yeah, you can, you can find links to both of our profiles in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and, and see you on the next episode.